the best short films for lifelong learning, recommended by teachers for teachers. This is Short Films Teachers Love, with your host, Richard Lee. This week we're looking at films teachers love from the perspective of a student. Joanna Atala was first recommended to me over three years ago by a university lecture as a fantastic student when I was running the Campfire Film Foundation. Jo indeed is an excellent learner and someone with a lot of integrity and a, and a really hard worker. You've got a lot, lot of jobs, I know, Jo. Um, she did some work for us as a volunteer for a while back then and we've kept in touch ever since. In fact, it was in the office one day when Jo started talking about all the films she remembered from school that made me think um, she'd be a great person to have to interview for this new podcast. So, Joe, welcome and thanks for coming on the show. Oh, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Let's just start by finding out what you're up to now. So, you finished high school a few years ago, in fact, well, yep. many years ago now, um, but what did you do after that? Take me through it. Um, I went and studied a Bachelor of Film and Digital Media at Deakin University. So that was a three-year course. Kind of taught me where to go and uh, how to choose what I wanted to do a little bit further because I was always interested in working in the film or media industry. And I currently work for broadcast television in the audio department. Fantastic. You were working um, for a while for Channel 31 on a, on a show there too, weren't you? Yeah, well, I was doing the Marnbrook football show, which I still do, and that airs on NITV. Yep. And that's filmed at Deakin Studios, but it's with a professional crew. Mm-hmm. And Because that's because NITV is now, it's a national thing. It's on SBS too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's actually quite, they've really moved up. And it's it's a really good show. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still on that. You're still, still on, yeah. If I get asked back this year, ah. so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hopefully I've done it for the past three years. Yeah. Okay. So why why did you choose a career in film and TV? Are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, it, it is tough. It is tough, and that, I guess that's. Um, for me, TV, getting into TV was that little bit easier than film, which I'm still trying to pursue. Um, why? It's just an absolute love for it. It's something that I can't ever remember not liking film and television and not wanting to be working in that industry. Um, and for me, I think it's a lot of it is to do with the impact that it can have and how helpful it can be just with a film or a show and the strength behind it and I think I just wanted to be involved in that also why I've always wanted to be involved in film and I think two quotes kind of completely summarize my standpoint and view on it one was by Morgan Freeman at the 84th Academy Awards he did a speech and he said movies have changed but there is one There is one constant that is true for all generations. Whether we are seeing a film that is live action or animated, black and white or in colour, in sound or silent, all of us are mesmerised by the magic of the movies. And for me, there's not a better quote that can explain why I love film so much or why film is so amazing. And the other quote that I really like is from the 2011 film Hugo. And Hugo... Dad had said it to him. It was films are like seeing your dreams in the middle of the day. (laughs) And I think that is just incredible. Films can be used for so much good. Like it's a it's a art form or it's 
something that can reach one of the largest audiences in the world. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. We're going to talk about the three films you've chosen, and I thought I'd go in chronological order of your learning journey, if you like. So I want to start with this one. You mentioned Remember the Titans. What was that, Ray? Whatever it is, it ain't blocking. Give me a break. You want to break? I'll give you a break. Me and Julius. Wait a minute. Just let let them in. Get the rev once, just one time. I swear to God, I'm going to hit you so hard by the time you come to. Oh, boy, you're going to need a new haircut. You understand me? Ha <laughs> Let's play, fellas! Oh, Another right ball, let's run it again. Now tell me where you first saw this. I think I was in either year seven or year eight at high school, and it was in religion class, and we watched it. Well, we watched it in that class because the subject matter was about equality, and it's kind of something that they you know, it's a main part of what they're trying to teach. Um, and I've, like all the films that I kind of told you about were ones that I later went and bought on DVD. So they were definitely the ones that really resonated with me well. Yeah, and that was a big one that I still, I only watched recently again as well. Like I still really like it. What do, what do you think you took away from it overall? Why, why does it stick in your mind so much, do you think? I think it would be because, because it's, so it's about racism and it's that something that I can't comprehend at all. To me, it's just ignorance and that that actually happened in the world that we live in, that that um, segregation and people's viewpoints. And then I guess it also made me think how unfair some people's life is purely just because of the colour of their skin Um and it taught you that I never want to be like those people, like ha- treat people like that. Mm. Tell me about the setting then. So did you watch it in an assembly or was it an individual class? And, and you know, I, I'm also I'm going to ask you about the length in a sec, but just tell me about, the you know, how it was shown to you in a class. It was in an individual class and I believe we were told like a week earlier that that's the film that we'll be watching for our class. Um, and it had to be in two sittings. And um, I remember it being a film that even, like, the naughty kids sat and watched. <laughs> like, they, there was no chit-chatter or anything like that. It, it really got people's attention. Because mm-hmm. it's so well produced, I, I guess, apart from anything, isn't it? Um, it's very compelling. Um, I, I, but this, this question of length uh, interests me. So, you know, short films, teachers love, obviously we have a focus on short films because the feedback I always got from Campfire was that, you know, short was the easiest to use in class. And, you, you know, you mentioned that you had to do it in two sittings because it's quite long. But we know that there's these special times when it is appropriate to watch a, um, a feature-length film. Now, you sent me two of the, the scenes that were most moving to you, but they don't have as much impact on me because I think I'm missing the full, you know, the grander story arc. So is it more that those scenes that you show me helped sort of remind you of the significant moments? Is that, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's the best way to describe it because, and it's really hard to see a scene out of the context of the film because the other main thing is that you're not understanding the characters. And when you can see that scene and you can already see the character evolve, and seeing that, it's like seeing society evolve with such a 
poignant topic. One of the scenes that I absolutely love from it, it was a lot of it was just one of the coach's reactions and his reaction to seeing two young boys not finally not care about the colour of their skin and kind of push that aside and realise, hey, we're just humans too. It doesn't matter. And his face reaction, oh, it just blew me away. It was so much compassion and amazement. And I think he got a little glassy-eyed as well, so it was quite <laughs> impactful for me. Yeah, yeah. I've sat in a room full of teachers and said, you know, tell me your short film. And, and a lot of people would say, well, actually, not so much short films, but um, this particular clip of a larger film. So there's definitely something to be said for, you know, the standout moments in longer films. But I, I'm, you know, I think that's also sometimes hard work for teachers to then go, okay, that was the film, but now I've got to find the right bit to show. You know, there's some time, yeah, exactly. time effort involved there. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it is really hard to take it out of that context. But I know that I've, um, particularly at uni because I studied film, that I had a class where they often only showed clips and they chose the clips so wisely and so carefully that it actually did kind of make you understand exactly what the teacher was trying to say. Mm. Well, let's move on to the next one and this is um, 12 Angry Men and that's the original 1957 version. 11 guilty, one not guilty... Well, now we know where we are. Boy, oh boy, there's always one. <laughs> oh, what are we doing now? Well, I guess we talk. Boy, oh boy. You really think he's innocent? I don't know. I mean, you sat in court with the rest of us. You heard what we did. The kid's a dangerous killer. You could see it. He's 18 years old. Well, that's old enough. He... He stabbed his own father four inches into the chest. They proved it a dozen different ways in court. Would you like me to list them for you? No. Then what do you want? I just want to talk. So it's a feature-length film that I think, in some ways, to me, this does lend itself more to being shown as a, as a sort of a clipped version. In other words, you could show this just this scene that you mentioned to me from about the nine-and-a-half-minute mark where the architect stands alone as the sole member of the jury jury undecided about a guilty verdict, and it's really powerful, and, and that does stand alone without seeing the rest of the film. But but as you said, it act, after it you go, oh, I want to see the rest of it now. You do yeah. want to know what happens after that. So yeah. um, tell me when you saw this in school? This was Year 12 Legal Studies. Um, so I was a lot older here and it would be one of my favourite films of all time and I remember seeing it and just being amazed by it and because we had to watch it in two sittings as well, after we watched the first half, I actually went home, got it and then watched the second half before the next class because I couldn't wait. <laughs> you cheated <laughs> yeah, I had to know because the film, and even like like you said, it, like it was made in 57, but I think it still stands up and just everything about it to me is incredible. Mm -hmm. and, and it's one thing to get all that sort of stuff explained, you know, as head knowledge, but when you see it played out as, you know, act, you're engaged by the, the narrative of what's going on and you're emotionally travelling on that journey, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. And another thing I love about it is pretty much the entire film is set in one room. It's set in the jury deliberation room. Yes, you don't get to, you don't get to the courtroom much, do you? No, no. It's only at the very, very start. And then at the end, it's the outside steps of the courtroom and that's it. 
So the whole thing is in one room, and I think that itself is incredible. It's brilliant. Cinematically, the film is, yeah, exactly. Um, And the dialogue, because the first scene, the one that's at the nine-and-a-half-minute mark, one of the lines that I absolutely love, which I've got here, yeah, it's, I just think it is so powerful, is when Henry Fonda says, it's not easy to raise my hand and send a boy off to die. And I think that is absolutely incredible because at the start, it was all, it was the foreman was saying, who says guilty? And these 11 hands just went thrown up. Maybe three, you know, struggled a little bit, but they just went right up like they didn't even consider, wow, we're actually sending a young 18-year-old boy to his death, where this man was like, that's something that if I'm going to do that, I really need to be sure and I want to talk about it. And I think that is absolutely amazing. And that reminds you of um, good human behaviour and the kind of people that you want there to be in our world, the people that think, you know, I really have to, you know, the burden of proof kind of beyond reasonable doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, hearing that and, and getting those messages in the context of legal studies in the context of school, I think is really, I guess that enlivens you to go, Right, that's what legal studies is about, and it gets you excited yeah. about the topic. Surely, is that you know? Did you enjoy legal studies because of this, or you know, did that open the world of legal studies to you in a new way? It was kind of more towards maybe the middle of legal studies, and I'd already loved it from the start because I've always been really interested in law and the justice system. But it definitely validated how much I really do. Um, have an interest in it and how much I really do think it's important. And I think, to me, I think it's like the like poster film for a legal studies class because I think it really does explain so much of it and how even just like the decision is reliant upon just 12 civilians that have no former education in the law or anything at all um, and how important, like, the prosecution and the defence case is. So it does bring out all those aspects. I've been on jury duty once, and you do, you kind of, you kind of opened up to, wow, you know, it's just ordinary people who have ordinary jobs coming together and making big decisions about people's lives, you know, and that's, I think that what it, what, that's what it brings to life, doesn't it? It's great. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of my favourite things about films is that it does take you into other people's worlds and the different realities that you never really would understand or see otherwise. Like you can read it in a textbook, but you see it on the screen. It captures you. Mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. Let's move on to the last film that you mentioned um, by another great American director, Spike Lee. Uh, this one's called Jesus, Children of America. Oh, fuck you going to do now, Blanca? You ain't going to do nothing. You was not going What you gonna do? Yo, her parents got the AIDS. Don't get no blood on me. Your parents got the AIDS. You want them A, baby. Shut up, you stupid two-faced bitch. You don't know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch! Tell me about this. What what's it about? So this one's actually quite really quite dark. Um, 
It's about a little girl that was born HIV positive because both her parents are drug addicts. Um, and it comes from a series, so it's a short in a series of shorts. And the series of shorts is called All the Invisible Children. And I think they're all directed by different people, weren't they? Yeah, different directors, and all of them were about different forms of abuse that children experience. Yeah, it's really quite remarkable because you can't believe the cards that some people are dealt, and it makes you look at your own life and just be completely thankful of everything that you're given. And there's two parts to this short that I think is really quite amazing, and the first being because they're drug addicts and kind of what they've done to their child is like a crime, but they are such loving and incredible parents to her that it really makes you realise and understand they're still good people and addicts and people with sicknesses like that are still really good people but they just have this addiction that has taken over them. Yeah, and, and it's beautifully acted, isn't it, and directed. Yeah. It's just that and it's the realism is just incredible, you know. They Oh, it's uh, amazing. You it's just so, believe uh, every moment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's got that grunge aspect to it, like the streets and the apartments and her school and yeah, it, it is really incredibly done. But they just, they, they don't even feel like actors. You know, they actually. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it seems like you're watching a documentary. Yeah, yeah. This is the people's lives. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you watched this in a class at uni about scripting. So, uh, you know, here I guess we, we're thinking of um, for, for teachers using film to study the form and structure of filmmaking itself. So, tell me what you learned about scripting by watching this. I mean, I've just been, you know, working on a dramatic narrative with my older daughter, and it's really really hard to, for example, get realistic dialogue and, you know, how do you, how do you script that? How did Spike Lee do it? You know, what, oh, what did you learn about scripting from watching this? It is incredible to see. I find realistic dialogue the hardest thing to write and I think all the shorts that I've ever made when I look back on it, the thing that I'm like, oh, why did I write that? Why is that line in it? Um, I guess the realism of it, he really captured it and it seems like I guess I kind of learned that you really need to research what you're writing about um, or understand the people that you're writing about and I always find that if you're you know want to write about a particular person find out make up their likes and dislikes create a completely rounded character so you can know how they'd react to this and how they'd react to that Another part that I really liked in it is when the daughter is angry at her parents and she's upset and they're all sitting on the floor and they're hugging her. Blanca! Baby, what are you doing there? How long have you been there? Blanca, what happened? What happened to your head? I'm gonna fight. We are you doing fighting? I'm gonna die. What? What are you talking about? Did the nurse tell you that? Everything everybody says about you is true. Junkies! No. <laughs> Don't judge me! Yeah, look, look, it's okay, all right? See, look, you're not going to die, okay? Look, come here, come here. You're not going to die. And she is yelling at them to get away, and it's, she only says the same thing over and over again, but it kind of, I, the way it's delivered and the line and how impactful it is, it actually really, really resonates with you, and it really makes you, like... It really stands out. I don't want to die! 
It's you're not okay. gonna die. Okay? It's okay. All you're right. Die. You hear me? You hear me? Okay. You're not gonna die. You understand me? And I think it's just very clever writing. Very clever. <laughs> and and it, to me, it highlights the you know the real art of filmmaking and and writing a script that is that captures both the words, but also what people do on screen. And and on top of that, giving space for the actors to then, when you're blocking out a scene and about to film it, go, okay, what would you add to this? And different directors will do that in different ways. But you know the the magic of you know someone like Spike Lee being able to envisage envisage this whole thing in their heads and then translate that to something that's going to be shot from a couple of angles with a, over a couple of takes in different days and you know is uh, you know it, it speaks volumes of of the power of a well-produced film I think too doesn't it yeah definitely and they're the kind of things that for young filmmakers that make you want to be in the industry that seeing pieces like that and how well they're done and it's kind of mesmerizing in a way that's always a way I describe how I feel about films. They mesmerise me. And actually, speaking of dialogue, it's not very it's not a very dialogue-heavy film, um, particularly if you compare it to 12 Angry Men, how that is just all talking. And it's the body language of the characters and because it's such an intimate character base that it's a father, a daughter and the mother and it's the three of them in this small little apartment and you see that the way they are with each other and their behaviour, even just their looks to each other, and it's quite um, quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Just uh, another one back to the sort of subject matter. What, what do you make of the title? Why are they Jesus Children of America? <laughs> I Yeah, that's a really good question because that is quite like titles I find really hard sometimes to understand. Um, but I think for me... I think it's saying, taking it from a religious standpoint, but being that we're all children coming from the same kind of parent in a way, we're all coming from the same, you know, Jesus. And um, I think it's saying, yeah, we're all the same, yet where the cards that we're dealt from our own parents is different. So she was given those parents and had, and that's like, how her complete life has changed because of that. She's going to be sick because of that. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know if that's explaining it, but it's... No, sorry. that's right. I, well, I, to me, I just wondered whether it was something to do with the comment, you know, Jesus makes about treating the least of these and, and the forgotten and downtrodden people and all that sort of thing. But it was just, there's no reference to anything Jesus-like in the film. No, but, not know. at all. They don't, yeah, yeah. I don't even believe them to be religious. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I think it's like... Yeah, coming from saying, like, the greater good in society as a whole and then being this is just a small pinwheel in it all kind of thing, mm-hmm. if that I, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and you know, in, in all of these films that you've chosen and, and I know some that you've made yourself, you've always had a strong sense of social justice and, you know, righting the wrongs of, of the world and standing up for the less fortunate and those sort of thing. And I think teachers, you know, the world over want to inspire students with good moral values, you know, to be decent human be- beings who contribute positively to the world. So so my final question about all your films is what what tips would you have for teachers about choosing great films that can do this? I think films that kids can relate to. So if you're teaching Year 9s, try and find a film with Year 9s in it. Because if you can relate to something or a person 
and you see them treated poorly and then you see their reactions to that, like if a child is bullied and you see them going home and crying or consider something like suicide, that makes you think, I never want to bully one of my fellow peers. I never want to be the person that causes someone to feel like that. And I always think you've got to have a good story, a captivating story and something that can inspire you. And I've got like a whole list of films here that I think have that meaningful message and it just, and they're the ones that my entire life I've gone back to and thought that's something that's really stood out for me. I also think something that teaches people how they shouldn't be So if you see someone being portrayed like a bully or someone that's racist and you see them being portrayed as an ugly character, you don't want to be like that. You don't want people to see you like that. And I think that's a really eye-opening thing, particularly if you're a young student. Um, And for me, being a film buff, um, I would love a film that's well-made. And I think acting is so important because... Sometimes it's really hard to put aside bad acting and just see, okay, what message am I being delivered? So I think well-made films are quite important with that. Yeah, yeah. You've got to believe it, don't you? Yeah, yeah definitely. And if you can believe it, it becomes more real. Mm. Just um, one final question I, I'd like to ask um, teachers what they remember from their childhood but you've kind of been talking about the films that you've seen as a student so I'm going to ask it the other way what do you think makes a great teacher or you know can you is there one teacher that stands out and what was so impressive about them (laughs) for me a great teacher is you can tell when people care and you can tell when people want you to succeed and do good and I always find the teachers that have that genuine desire to help all students, not single out one, but all students, made you want to learn from them and made you comfortable to be in their classroom. Um, And the teachers that stood out for me were the ones that were passionate about what they were teaching. And when you see someone passionate, you want to kind of be like them and you want to be passionate about that as well. And I think if you can find a kind of a different approach to how you teach it, I remember a math teacher of ours like something wanted to teach us trigonometry and I remember to try and make us understand a particular phrase, he smacked his hands on the desk up and down yelling it and I've never, ever forgot it. And then when you're in the exam room or in testing and you think, what was it? Oh, I know how to do it. It was the smacking teacher thing. It was the smacking teacher and you just remember it. He would scream it. I think the other classes got scared. And it's like having... It's kind of something that stands out. And another thing that I always find is there's some teachers that will really make an effort with you individually, but they do it to everybody. So it makes you respect them. And I think that's something that a lot of students struggle with. It's They think it's uncool to be nice to a teacher, that they're becoming a teacher's pet, where I personally think it's just respecting a human being. And if you can have that to like from both ends, it really makes learning enjoyable. And I also love to learn. So perhaps, you know, I've always enjoyed school and I've always wanted to be better at something I didn't know about or be challenged at something that 
really I had to sit there and focus on. Um, and I think films is a really good way to learn it. I really do. So being a film buff that I think if you can work films into your classroom any way possible, mm. it would. I would Do love it. that class. Probably my <laughs> favourite class. <laughs> what a great student you are. Well, you moved from being a, you know, a student in a school system to a, a student of life, so to speak. So um, thank you so much for taking the time to think back to all those films and find the links, etc. cetera, um, but also for taking the time out to talk here this morning. Thank you. Oh, absolute pleasure. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Any more I can help, I'll come along and help out. (laughs) Thanks, Joe. And join us again next week for Short Films Teachers Love. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to the show, join our new Facebook group, or tell someone else who's looking for a short film for their teaching.